2: What's up, Cuse Nation? Welcome to TIE Thoughts with Tyler Morona. We are going to hear Ty's thoughts here in a moment. But first, we got to hear from the title sponsor for Ty Thoughts for the Cuse Militia and Armchair Media. That is none other than BetOnline.ag. Now, you might not be able to get to a game this year. I think you should be able to. I think there's got to be a way to do it. There's a lot of seats there, and maybe you fill half of them. How about that? I think so. Uh, If you can't get to a game this year, you can still get in and all the action at betonline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spread totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures right now. Head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Thank you, Bet Online. Also, one other we got to thank, and that is manscaped.com, The Lawnmower 3.0. It's a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you confidence boost through body image. You don't want to be a hairy Sasquatch, do you? Maybe you do, but th- just so you know, that's not in style anymore. The ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on the fellas down below. The lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof, and it comes with the LED light, so you can manscape in the shower in the darker, in the dark in the shower. They also just released... The Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is a perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools. And it includes as follows, tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file for all of you guys that like to use nail files. The Shears 2.0 Nail Kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows too, gentlemen, just in case you are into that as well. And trim your nails in any style. Um, just go to manscaped.com today. Get the Crop Preserver. Reduce the chafing. Nobody wants the swamp butt, the swamp hiney. Reduce that with the Crop Preserver. Um, just go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code armchair. Again, our listeners to this show, to accuse militia, anywhere along the armchair media spectrum. If you go to manscaped.com right now, you'll get 20% off and free shipping use the promo code armchair thank you manscape.com no oh, here's tyler and his thoughts
3: All right, ladies and gentlemen, what is up? It is uh, Monday, September 21st. And is it time to bust out the triple option? I know that's what everybody's thinking right now, and I just had to uh, start off the show with a, something, you know, a little, a little less depressing than the offensive performance that, that's been turned in the past two weeks. Yes, I'm Tyler Marona. Yes, I'm a, uh, the host of Ty Thoughts. This episode that runs on the Q's Militia page. Just real quick before we go into, is the triple option the way to go for the rest of the season? uh just remember that if you really like me and you want to shove it in sean and joe's face that this is a better show than their show go ahead and leave a review on the apple podcast app and just let them know hey we like tyler's show better than you that'll that'll go a long way um and and helping me out so um do i really think that the triple option is viable no but do i think that there's some alarming concerns with what's going on yes um I'm sitting here Monday night, I'm watching the Raiders and the Saints play, and something similar that's going on that I'm seeing right now out of Derek Carr is kind of the same thing, at least in this first half, That um, with the Raiders out of Derek Carr that I've seen with Tommy is like the, the lack of trust in everybody else around him is so apparent. That it's a lack of trust seemingly from the coaching staff in the players, a lack of trust from Tommy to his line, a lack of trust from the receivers to Tommy. It's, it's as if you're watching a dysfunctional family like fight in front of you. And that's what's so uncomfortable about the, about the whole situation. It's not the fact that we're not turning in winning efforts. I don't think that many people thought that we were going to win the UNC game or really at the end of the day, did we think that Pitt was going to, you know, be some sort of slam dunk win? No, we don't. But what we're upset about now is that we see that it is so possible for Syracuse to be good because of all the talent on defense and the effort that they're turning in. Coach Babers has said at nauseum how much he thinks that the defense is just absolutely killing it, and to their credit, they are. I mean, there's some real deal studs. I think that there are superstars in the making on defense. I really do, and I think that what's been great in for me to see two whole games going up against upper-crust-level ACC teams now is that I see that I think I think the D-line, although they're not getting pressure, is going to be totally fine. And I think what's exciting about that is is that I think we actually have some bona fide studs coming in in this recruiting class. And we've recruited well. on the defensive line and are continuing to do a better job moving forward. So my point is, is that if we're getting basically nothing out of the D line because they're only getting a three man rush. And sometimes they're bringing uh Thompson number 27 on the outside, who for a true freshman is absolutely electrifying. He's able to run right past an offensive tackle when they're both at a standstill. That's, that's against an ACC level team and a team in, um, Pitt that's been ultra competitive the past couple years, so I mean no doubt about it. the defense has some emerging stars, and also there's a star a star or two on the defense right now, and I wanted to give a quick shout out to Andre Sisco and Trill Williams because they're doing a fantastic job in that secondary, leading the charge and I also wanted to do a couple quick points here on what I would do if i 'm coach Babers. so um I think that number one, if I'm Coach Babers, I'm gonna go into the coordinators' offices, and this is what a head coach is supposed to do. They're supposed to go into the coordinator's office and tell them what they thought. A head coach coaches the coaches, so that's that's you know you're the CEO of of this organization. So Coach Babers got to go into the defensive coordinator's office first yesterday on Sunday and say, Tony. Um, you're getting the handshake for the week. Like You deserve all the accolades that you're getting, and even then some, because he is putting on an absolute clinic. And he is showing, Tony White is showing, that installation of new programming as far as offense, defense, special teams, and a new system all the way in general. So think about... If you're in a cross-sport comparison, if you're playing outfield, it's very unreasonable to think that all of a sudden you can come in and be a catcher the next year. But switching from the 4-2 nickel to the three three five is almost as extreme as a change as going from being an outfielder to a catcher for all that's involved on the defense. And yet Tony White is getting my handshake of the week as the coach or the head coach of this this team because... He is proving that the impossible that we quote-unquote thought is not impossible. It's actually very possible. The The fact of the matter is that we just have better ballers on defense than we do on offense. There's, there's, there's no arguing that. I remember last year going to the BC game when we got absolutely annihilated on both sides of the football and thought, this is problematic, <laughs> number one. There's no arguing that. But what I saw, because when I went to go sit with Sean up on the... Uh, the top deck and like the, the first row or, you know, you just, I got the view from the coordinators level and uh, I saw the whole field and I just saw no talent on offense. And the only uh, score that day, I believe came from Tristan Jackson, who's now in the NFL and had the opportunity to come back and play, but he didn't mainly probably because he saw the writing on the wall that this was going to be tough. Obviously he didn't know that there was going to be a pandemic, But he did know that it was going to be tough next year if he was the only star on the offense yet again. So if I'm Coach Babers, I'm going into uh, Coach Gilbert's office, the offensive coordinator's office. And I'm saying, hey, man, uh, we've coached before. Um, It didn't look like this. And um, let's just go down the roster here. And we're going to see all the opportunities that you have here. And then you're going to tell me what you think. So, I mean, I'm going player by player. Can you use this guy? And I'm getting creative. I'm starting to think uh, Bill Belichick style here. Like, we got to come up with something that's out of the ordinary. We got to do something that's going to actually move the needle here. Is that playing true freshman? Potentially. Is that playing, is that scrapping ideas for the future? Because the most important football game you get is the one that you're playing right now. We don't know what's coming in the future. Now, if you're already calling for coach's head, I hope you're ready to throw in a $50,000 donation to the Syracuse Athletic Department and the Boost Club to get Coach Babers out of his newly ex- signed extension that you, the fan, wanted to give him so badly after 10-3. and 3. So I just want to put that in perspective real quick. Unless you're ready to put up $50K, 100 k 500 k to get Coach and all of his newly signed coaches out of their contracts, then I, I don't want to hear it out of you. Because you're not like number one, you're not a mover and shaker in college football, and those are the people that get it done. And number two, it's just too early. So that's that. Coach Babers' success with Syracuse has came when his quarterback has number one been Eric Dungey. But if it hasn't been, it's because he had a deep threat down the middle of the field or on the the edges of the field, down the sidelines. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a high-level wide receiver that can run past ACC-level defensemen. We think the Steve Ishmaels of the world. We think the Amba Ettawos of the world. We think the Jamal Custises of the world. So then we go look back, and Sean and Joe talked about this. It's like we we were frustrated with the offense in Tommy DeVito, number one, because we've seen him do it before. But Tommy DeVito in... The ten and three season had his deep threat and Jamal Custis. If you go back and watch the North Carolina game, you'll see that all of his completions on these, you know, high level throws where we going, Well, Tommy's a sure Like, we we gotta start thinking about this guy for the hives bin. When when we were having that conversation, Jamal Custis was actually making the plays. If you go watch him, he's catching balls on his helmet and going up over guys because he was six five, six six. I've seen the guy. I was there in the same room with him when he was on his official visit. Guys, massive, unbelievable athlete. Um, Coach Edinger, Michael Lasker was telling me he's like he would challenge guys like Jamal Custis. He's like, hey, you're a walking paycheck. You got to work harder. And there's no walking paychecks on this offense this year. Let's just be real. Nobody's playing at the next level right now with this team. So if you have zero NFL players on offense in a conference that's NFL talent laden on defense, you see where I'm going here? Okay, if you get it early, we can go home. All right. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from is that coach needs to go in there and he's like, okay, I know I started the show off with a triple option. I don't think we have to go back to being an option team because I think that would actually regress us even more at the moment. Even if we were a shotgun option team, we don't have Eric Dungy. Tommy DeVito is fast, but he's not quick. And number two, we don't have the, the running backs to be able to withstand that type of blow. And if you think that the offensive line is doing bad now, just wait until we get into a spread zone blocking scheme is not going to be great. So <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with Trill and, and the rush on defense. Like I said, and I had that in my notes and I'm going in to shake Tony White's hand, but I have to go into the offensive coordinator's office and, and do an office. I mean, I'm, I'm like on the phone, or I'm in the offensive coaches' meeting rooms all day long. If I'm Coach Babers, like whatever I have to do is now put on hold to get this offense better, because whatever's going on on defense and special teams is kind of working out. So what we need to do is find a way to get that going in a different direction. And like I say, you know, it's like we can sit and think here about oh, you know, this kid's development, that kid's development. Coach, at some point. In order to develop the kids, he's got to get them to believe that they can win. And to me, what's so disappointing in this team is that they play like they can't win and that they know or they believe that they can't win. And that is the attitude that we have to shake up. Coach Bayer didn't call, he didn't use his timeouts because the team, even if he used the timeouts, didn't believe that they could win anyway. So he's not going to reward poor attitude and poor behavior. I know. I, the way that Coach Babers thinks and speaks and talks, it's like I understand it very clearly. If he's sending a message by holding on to his timeouts, which he was doing to his team, to me as a former player, that signals he, Coach doesn't think that we can win either. He knows that we know that we don't think that we can win, and we don't believe it. I've been on the the train of thinking that the team. 't like they'll start believing they can win if they play like this and somehow freak their way into a win. Like if we won 10 to 9 or like 13-12 against Pitt and we realize, oh my God, we're like the worst offensive line in the country. We have no skill on the outside. nobody blocks, but our defense is that good. The offense will just get motivated out of, you know, just sheerly because they understand that if we're like, if we truly are the worst and that was the worst, then can we please just go up from there? It happened last year. That's why we won those games at the end of the season, is because we were like, hey, look, the worst has already happened. But in order to be successful and to be a a good, successful program, you got to eliminate the fact that you have to understand that you can win a game every year. Like it can't be until, you know, the end of the year when we're starting to see the improvement improvement's got to come week by week. And that's what I'm disappointed in is that there is no improvement week to week. And we played a lesser team this week and we turned in a worse performance, I think on offense. So, um, some some are going to argue that Pitt has a better defense, but I think the the shock value of playing UNC week one in the middle of a pandemic, I thought was going to be a recipe for a way bigger disaster against North Carolina, and I thought that we played better against them, even though the score was a little bit worse. If you're a fan, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, no, I don't think the triple options going in. I know I started it off, you know, super hot, like I said, but um, th- that. Those are my thoughts for the week on the Syracuse Orange. I can't really say much, much else. Um, this team. So, like, when we, <laughs> I went on the airwaves when the team went 10 and three. And I said, you know, this team continues to take my breath away because it was like the most fun I've ever had being a college football fan. Um, growing up a UCLA fan and watching the Pac 12 and just seeing all these, um, you know, just kind of nothing games, really. I mean, there, there's a lot of uninspired football on the West Coast, which I now effectively or affectionately refer to as uh, some of the best football that's played in the country because really it's not that much. But when Syracuse was winning those games and then you 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 get so invested because you know, oh, it's been 20 years of not being what we should be and remembering that Greg Paulus a a point guard became our quarterback, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, now all of a sudden we got Coach Morone and he's recruiting guys and he's developing guys. Ryan Nassib, oh my God, he's good. He's a good quarterback. We have a good line. We have Justin Pugh drafted tenth overall. We have Chandler Jones, who's like maybe the second best overall player in the NFL. We have Arthur Jones. We have this rich history of guys coming through, and then you think, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like we we, we should be so much better than this. Yes, we should be. And to all the haters and all the people that are you know, pointing out the offensive line the past two years, I will tell you that the offensive line has been a a supreme problem since that 2012 season. After we won the Pinstripe Bowl and Justin Pugh got drafted and Zach Shabane left and uh, Tiller left and all the continuity that was there, we had too many guys leave at one time. And from that point forward, after Sean Hickey left in particular – um, and Mike Lasker couldn't stay healthy. Nick Robinson couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Rob Trudeau, a great player, but just couldn't do it all by himself. All these guys, after a while, they couldn't, you know, there was just never a season with continuity and we're still in that same rut. Like we're st- it's it's eight years later. It's going to be ten full years before we get an offensive line back. And if that never happens again, Syracuse will be a good program moving forward. I promise because that is what we're seeing is missing. And if it's a ten-year drought, you hope that it's kind of like one of those things with the Lakers. We haven't won a title in the last ten years, and we hope that you know the playoff drought never really happens again. Because okay, we'll give you one stretch because we had that ten and three year on the back of Eric Dungey. But it can't be another 20 years before we win 10 games. And I'm, what I'm going at is I do want to keep Coach Baber, so don't get me wrong. I liked his message to the team that he said, hey, look, I understand what you guys are trying to tell me, so let's be real. Let's get real about this. I'm going to hear you. Let's get out of this game. You guys obviously don't want to win, so let's get out of here. I understand. Then he had the kumbaya, like he talks about. And so I want him to stay, but I'm not giving him 20 years if he can't win 10 games again. So that's that's kind of my my final thought on that. All right, so I just wanted to get into Thai thoughts for the week, and um, this week it's all about something that really has kind of affected the way that I have lived life for a long time now is that I heard somebody say one time to me that you don't see things that you're not looking for, meaning that our vision is so tightly locked on something that we oftentimes will miss the greater point or we'll we'll be looking at. um, So for example, right now, I'm uh, just knocked something over on the the shelf, but um, I was (laughs) looking at this bottle of sunscreen and I say, if I'm looking here and um, looking at the sunscreen, I might miss that my phone's going off over in the corner because you um, can't have your attention divided. And what that, where that came to life for me this week was um, I was looking at some of the scores from the AP Top 25 and ultimately just the FBS in general and college football. And I was thinking, let's just take a look and see where like the rest of the world is in relation to um, Syracuse, right? Like let's, let's take a look and see what the other scores look like. Cause maybe I'm missing the forest through the trees here. Or maybe I'm not, I'm looking at Syracuse so intently, I'm missing something from the greater landscape of college football. And I think I was. Okay. So let's, let's take a look here. So first off, Remember how I said in the first week some teams acted like they were playing like they were never going to play again? So North Carolina got their game canceled against Charlotte. BYU versus Army, top 25 matchup postponed. Houston, Baylor postponed. Florida, Atlantic, Georgia Southern postponed. Central Arkansas versus Arkansas State postponed. Okay, so those games may never come back, just so we're all aware. So the fact that, yes, Syracuse did lose this weekend, we got to see that, okay, they played at least because Playing against Pitt, that's a pretty big deal. And I know it hurts. Trust me, I'm hurting more than all of you guys are. Um, but Or maybe as much. And maybe not as much as some. But I feel it. So let's take a look here. What am I not seeing this week? Or what did I not see on Saturday? I didn't see that Marshall University, 2-0 Marshall University, took down Appalachian State number 23, 17-7. That's a top 25 team getting nearly blanked by Marshall university. I'm seeing Liberty over here, which I'm all uh, kind of getting a little concerned about going 30 to 24 over Western Kentucky, which is an 0 and 2 team. Now Liberty being now that was their first game, first win of the season. So um, that's a game on our schedule. I saw Navy have this, you know, miraculous comeback to, to erase a 24 point deficit to overcome the two lane green wave. But other than that, I mean, I'm seeing some iffy finishes all around college football. Wake Forest and NC State, they're putting up 45 and 42, but nobody wanted to score. So I think what I'm seeing here is that Clemson and Notre Dame, obviously they're for real, they're legit programs, but Oklahoma State, number 11 team in the country, they had to score 14 points in the fourth quarter to beat Tulsa. The final score was 16 to 7. Oklahoma State's one of the highest octane offenses in the country, and, 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 and now what I'm seeing is that I was missing that everybody in the country might be struggling on offense. It's not maybe it's not just the orange. It might be everybody struggling on offense right now. And I think that the defenses are at just such a supreme advantage that I'm 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 just not seeing what I'm not looking for here. I want to be mad about Syracuse. I want to be mad that um, I'm not head coach of a high school team already. Cause I think that if I would have played it right, I could have been closer to where I wanted to go. I think that if I would have just not gotten in that play um, or I would have done something different, if my, my form would have been better that one play then maybe I'd be playing in the NFL. But that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to get myself beaten up over something mentally. You know, I want to do the mental gymnastics to make me less happy, to be honest. Like that's where I'm at on a lot of this stuff. And I'm weirdly having to face some of that with the Syracuse team, just feeling like the the helplessness. Um, Because it's weird that this weekend, I actually, all the other teams that I wanted to win besides the Chargers, but I feel like they had a a kind of a moral victory because the Chargers were really expected to do nothing. And they're expected to get, I think, lose by nine and a half against Kansas City. And they come out and really... They the Chiefs try to give him that game, and in reality, in under a normal circumstance, they would have won if Herbert was not, you know, playing his first day on the job here. So to me, that's kind of like almost like a half win. So the Cowboys <sighs> holy cow. I mean, how do you I mean I w- <laughs> I was doing the, the happy Gilmore ride the bull, I was so happy that the Cowboys won. I mean, that's that's what, that's why we're so dumb to keep coming back as football fans is is like this one time, maybe it'll work out and it does. And then for the rest of my life, my, my fiance wife in under two weeks, by the way, under two weeks will be husband and wife. Big shout out, uh, to, to Katie for making that a possibility. Um, who's going to be my wife. Her name's Katie. Um, You know we're we're so dumb as football fans because we're like oh we're not gonna get hurt this time we ended up getting hurt Uh, Sunday night football in front of God and everybody we go lay an egg against the Rams who the Rams also might be legit and this is also gonna slip into some tie thoughts and pro talk Uh, they're gonna kind of overlap this week just so you know so we're in both segments right now. but to lay that egg against the Rams and come back and win on that onside kick which to me is the best onside kick in history of me being a fan of football like I have not seen a better onside kick executed than that one yesterday on Sunday in, in Dallas Texas so I mean it's just funny like i was thinking about how like oh you know when the cowboys are down by 20 and it's like it's, it's 20 to 29 to 9 and i'm like okay look you know we've turned the ball over three times i was looking for a way to get out of there and just escape and all right now it's on to the charger game and of course now i'm riled all the way back up and i'm all the way back in on the cowboys so good luck to me on that one I'm really hedging, though. I'm really hedging. I'm really trying to become a Charger fan. I really, I really think I am. I think I'm really trying to become – because, number one, I don't get the Cowboys anymore on TV, which was like me – like the one perk of living in Texas was that the Cowboys are on every weekend no matter what. Like you can find them. They, they play them on like Channel Zero. I know it doesn't exist, but it is in Texas. It's called uh, <laughs> DC TV. And, um or they would even like play the games on the app if you were in a big market. The Dallas Cowboys have an app, and they'll like stream the game if you're in Houston or Beaumont or um, a larger San Antonio. You know, a team, a city that's a large market that like the Texans would be taking up. They'll be like, no, 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 come on, like let's let let's get real here. Let's play the real team in Texas. So. Um, So, I mean, I'm all the way back in. And then partner that with the fact that I was like, okay, you know what? I'm now fully prepared to take an L tonight against the Denver Nuggets. And the Lakers just messed around for 47 minutes and 30 seconds. And then Anthony Davis comes in and he's like, hey, look, you know, this is is game time. This is what I get out of bed in the morning to do. And what was awesome about that is what I saw from Anthony Davis after that was that he went and he started pounding his chest and said, I'm that dude. I'm that dude. That was a huge moment for him and the Lakers. And what I saw was is that he is saying, like, no, look, LeBron, uh, it's my turn. So I'm better than you. I'm better than everybody on the court. It's my time to go out there and do it. So to me, the Lakers are like the bona fide locks to win the NBA title. So that was that. I think that the Celtics are dead man walking. I know that they won game three. But here, moving forward, this is a Miami Heat series. It's a Lakers-Heat series destination in the finals which is awesome you get both sides i think that this is probably one of the first times um in history that they've ever faced each other again i'm i'm cloudy on every nba finals of all time i know i that's my sport that i really like following the most but hey listen give me a break i'm only 26 years old i know a lot of nba finals but i don't know if the lakers and heat have ever faced off in the finals i know that the heat were an expansion team that by the way um rob Palenka, gm for the lakers and pat riley president of the heat pat riley former laker player former laker coach former laker executive has the slick back hair and he's not only like the president the general manager former head coach just throws all of his rings on the table whenever a a free agent is coming in to visit the miami heat he is the miami heat like the heat were a joke before he got there so pat riley is the heat and then all of a sudden i start seeing pictures of rob palinka the gm for the lakers same look as Pat Riley, slick back hair, thinning out, wearing the tight fitting clothes, and all of a sudden, I'm going, everybody better watch out I, I think it's the heat and Lakers like they this is the ultimate like situation. It's the young buck versus the old cow, you know it's like who who's gonna give here, and obviously the young buck Anthony Davis coming in sounds pretty good to me, but It's hard to doubt this Heat team, man. They're just on fire in this bubble. And the fact that there's no outside like distraction. I mean, there is the bubble, but what I'm saying is like there's no fans to take you away and like take you out of the game. Like this plays perfectly into the Heat's the Heat's hands, because they're a three-point shooting team. They've had the same backdrop forever. That's what so many people complain about coming in to play in domes versus Syracuse. And then when Syracuse goes into the tournament where they play in like all these domes and high pitched arenas with the backdrop. They always shoot better than the other teams. Why? Because they're used to it. It's kind of weird. It's the same thing with the Heat. Like, they're built to win in this format. Kind of the same thing with, like, the Oakland A's. Like, they've gone their whole franchise's history since Billy Bean's been there to, like, have this one weird year take place and when all the outside factors are taking away, then this is like the A's year because they're like, we planned on this happening. And somehow the Heat planned on this happening with their team. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about the Lakers moving forward. But here's, here's the thing I'm seeing is that despite everything, I'm seeing a lot of positivity going on with like the NFL is a disaster, But it's turning in entertaining football. Like guys are getting hurt left and right, and I don't know how they're pulling this off. Like I don't know how they're keeping the the tests that you know are the negatives, the negative testing so prevalent. Like I don't know how this is going on. I don't know how the NBA. I mean, I know the NBA is bubbling up, and baseball plans to do the same thing. But like, what what we're missing in this whole thing is that like they're being successful at it. So, if that's something I can take away from this whole deal, and especially with college, like if the majority of this can happen and all of a sudden we can bring everybody back into the mix, like things can start feeling quote unquote normal really soon here. And that's the one thing I haven't seen for a long time. And even in my life, I'm starting to be like, hey, the kids might come back to campus here soon in California. And it's like, well, if that happens, then like real life is just back on the table. So, I want to encourage everybody this week to try to find something. Out of the ordinary that you look at often, or maybe it's even a perspective. Like what perspective can you change this week? Because to me, it's just, it's so important to be growing, to be learning, to be always adapting. Because to me, life is just better when we're, when we're learning. And I think that's (laughs) the, 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 the teacher and the coach in me. That's just like trying to get everybody's like, I'm not saying read a book. Don't do that. I wouldn't even recommend that. Like, don't do a PowerPoint presentation and present it to your family. Like, I don't need that. Like, I don't need you to sit down and all of a sudden start talking to your dog with like a 30 point PowerPoint presentation on slides on why Miller is better than Bud Light after all. I don't need that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying go learn something and go humble yourself because the next thing you'll know is that all of a sudden life will start getting a lot better, like it does for me. I don't want to sound preachy, but that's the tie thought for the week.
4: The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
0: Ah. the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana it
1: doesn't get any better than this
0: your favorite seat's the best spot in the house make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes
1: there really is no place like home
4: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.